What is up, my friends? Welcome to Rebel and Create's Fatherhood Field Notes podcast, where I interview incredible fathers, gaining wisdom from their stories for you and I to grow in our craft. I'm your guide, Ned Shout, father to five kiddos, currently ages 8 to 15, and husband to my rad wife, Sarah, working on our 17th year of marriage. So yep, I'm in the thick of it, the adventure of fatherhood, and I'm working daily to rebel against the low expectations for fathers and create a world where fatherhood matters. You and I have the greatest opportunity to impact our world through the way we embrace our fatherhood role. I believe the role of the father is to serve, guide, provide, protect, and have fun in the messiness of it all. Today's guest is my friend Brandon Ramazina. He shares how his father recently passed away, the ups and downs of processing this grief. Now, some of you listening may have had this experience already. Most of us probably have not, but it is a day that will come. It's interesting and very special to enter into another man's world processing this time of his life. Enjoy meeting my friend, Brandon. Welcome to the Fatherhood Field Notes podcast. Super pumped to be having a conversation about fatherhood with Brandon Ramazina. Brandon, how are you today? I'm doing well, Ned. How are you? I'm doing great. I'm doing great. You and I connected uh, maybe a few months back, and you said that you'd listened to quite a few of the uh, Fatherhood Field Notes podcasts. Yeah? Yeah, by quite a few, all of them. Man, that is so <laughs> wild. When yeah. you told me that, I went, wow, like that. I think of all the work I put into this because I'm passionate about fatherhood and zero expectation that a dude would listen to every single one of them. But when you said that, I was like, okay, there's a connection here. This guy knows me. We should talk fatherhood together. Yeah. So yeah, it's been, it's been a, it's been a, uh, just a huge thing in my life, uh, really has sharpened me as a dad. And, um, you know, we also have the, the mutual connection of, of a friend who was on episode three, I believe it was. And so, um, I went back and I think that's kind of what got me, got me started mm. and got me hooked. So rad, man. I love it. I love it. And you know, what's so cool is we're on this journey together, right? I mean, mm-hmm. we're on yeah. this fatherhood journey. It's a craft, um, I definitely don't have it figured out. I'm learning all the time. And so it's fun that we get to do that with, with other dudes. So let's jump in and get to know you a little bit. How old are you today? I am 38. All right. Yeah. Tail into the thirties. Beautiful. And yeah. how many years have you been married? Uh, 16 years. Nice. What's uh, what's yeah. the wedding anniversary? Let's put you on the spot. August 13th. It's three days before my birthday. So that helps. Oh, that helps. Yeah. Okay. Okay. <laughs> it's funny because that's yeah. how I, I think of mine is six days after my birthday. Um, and we're, okay. we're July, 2004. So, nice. so close, close. Okay. And then how yeah. many kiddos do you guys have? Three. So we have, um, our, our son, he's the oldest, he's 10 years old. Okay. And then we have our second is Natalie, our daughter, first daughter. And then our second daughter is Gabrielle. So Natalie's eight. Gabrielle, we call her Gabby's a lot of times is six. All right, cool. Yeah. And uh, so three kiddos, 10, got that double digit in there, hitting this new yeah. window, almost middle school age. Um, what do you do for a living to provide for the family? Yeah, I'm a teacher. So I've, I've pretty much been in every setting as a teacher, public, private, charter, uh, you know, alternative ed. And um it's, it's been, you know, it's been amazing to be able to get a sampling of all those different things. Um, so the last 16 years I've, I've been a teacher where I actually, um, came back off my honeymoon and actually missed the first day of, of work because I was on my honeymoon, but, uh, 
ever since then I've been a teacher and um, transitioning to, to be an ESL teacher in Illinois uh, this, this coming school year. Okay. What's an ESL teacher? So it's English as a second language. Um, and so it just means, uh, and it's really being re- retitled as, as multi-language students uh, because a lot of students coming in, it's not their second language. It might be a third or fourth, mm. but you come in and you basically help them. Um, you make a plan with their core teachers. You uh, help them through language difficulties and you help them be successful here, whether they're coming from Afghanistan or um, but wherever, it doesn't matter. Um, you're helping them to be successful and to um, be able to thrive in the, the regular educational setting there. Cool. Cool, man. That's yeah. fantastic. And yeah. then you said you're, you're moving to Illinois. Yep. Um, and you're in Northern California now. I'm in Northern California now. We move on Saturday and we're taking about a 16-day trip. Um, we're loading up our pod as we speak okay. and our our house is an um, absolute mess. Um, and so, yeah, it's really exciting. We've never done a, a road trip like this before with the kids. And, um, and we thought we were going to, we just about a, two months ago, we thought we were heading to Wisconsin, but uh, now we're heading to Illinois. That's where the job opened up and um, the opportunity to, to get a fan, fantastic house uh, opened up as well. Man, that's so cool. So if we could pause for a second, right? Like we're only just a couple minutes in. And if you're a dude listening to our conversation right now and you're in the middle of your, you know, wild work day, wild life, all that comes with the messiness of it all. Like we're peering into Brandon's world. Uh, today's a Wednesday. Today was your last day at your current job. Yep. Then you're leaving Saturday to go to another state with your family. 16 yep. day road trip with the kids. Haven't done that. Like, there's probably a ton of beauty in it and then just a ton of messiness as well. Right. And we're mm-hmm. kind of like getting to peer into your state uh, in the middle of that. So dude, that's rad. And thank you. Yeah. So if, if I were to pause and go, okay, what's, what's, what am I curious about? I, I would say like right now we're pumped because we're talking about fatherhood on the podcast but, but where are you at as a dad? Like when you take a step back and peer into three little kids, you know, new state, new job, like where are you at? How do you see that from your perspective right now? I think I see it as, as a journey that we're all undertaking together at the same time, but, you know, in, in various stages of maturity, Mm. obviously my wife and I um, are older and hopefully a little more mature, but we've got the same kinds of um, needs as, as our kids, they're going to break down, but they're going to break down in a different way than my wife and I are. Um, you know, once we get into day 13 of a 16 day road trip, we're probably going to start, you know, going crazy and we're going to have to give each other, uh, uh, grace because we, you know, and and in this transition, this whole week has been, there's some, been some tension, uh, just, just kind of stress coming out. Uh, but we're all in this journey together and no one gets left behind. And so we're going to help each other, guide each other through, um, the messiness of it all. And we're, we're all excited because yeah, it's, it's not going to be, um, it's not going to be amazing and rainbows and, and unicorns every day, just because we're moving and things, things are really, you know, there's some really positive things. It's uh, it's still a journey. We're going to have highs and lows and we're going to be there for each other. So how do you handle those lows? Right. So clearly, I mean, there's probably a low today, probably a low yesterday. So how do you handle those lows and still 
you know, not just be, oh, Mr. Positive all the time and then not, you know, just dump into negative and like, talk to me about that. What do you do? Yeah. Um, well, I, I try to make sure I'm, I'm taking care of myself, uh, getting enough sleep, um, you know, and making sure that um, I'm not, uh, I'm not so stressed out that I'm not going to be able to help anybody else uh, through their day. And, um, and really, uh, you know, I think, I think really understanding that, um, uh, you know, if I'm, if I am low, um, I'm going to, my family is going to encourage me um, for the most part, and they're going to help me through that. And I need, sometimes I just need to communicate and say, I, I'm really, I'm really having a hard time yesterday. I could not get through the day without a nap, which is weird. I'll, I'll do that on a Sunday, but I had, um, I had gone and gone so hard yesterday that I, I just didn't have anything else. I had you to take done. a nap at, at four o'clock. I was, I took a nap for at least an hour and a half. And it's the only way I got through the day, but my family gave me, gave me the, the space and mm. grace to, to do that so that I could come back actually alive and having some reserves, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So just, just to ask the question around that real quick is yeah. when you go to the nap, is it like everybody's on eggshells? We got to let dad go in and, and otherwise he'll be a tyrant to all of us. Or is there, mm. Hey, we seen dad's working real hard and we're all going to take a break. And so those are two clearly different things, which, which one do you fall into more and, and how so? Yeah, no, it's, it's not, um, it's not, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to break uh, and take it out on you or anything like that. It's just, first of all, I, I asked my wife, Michelle, you know, is it okay if I, if I just take a nap, I'm really struggling right now. And she's like, okay, sure. You know, it wasn't like, fine, I'll, I'll watch the kids so you can go take a nap. You know, right. uh, a lot of times I'll ask her the same thing, usually on a Sunday, Hey, do you need a nap? Um, mm. Because I know how it feels. And, um, but uh, you know, I put in earplugs. I don't say, "Hey, everyone, out of the house." You know, I, it's nothing like that. It's just, uh, and like I said, it usually. I was, I was just like, "Man, am I getting old?" You know, is my thirty showing? <laughs> um, because I should be able to get through the day without taking a nap here on a, on a weekday. But yeah, that's basically it. Yeah, but I think that's cool because you're being honest with yourself. You're checking in with yourself. And if you can do it where you're not the tyrant and you're not the big baby, then you're being on honest with you and your family. Um, because I think sometimes we'll just push through. I know I'll push through and then I'll snap, you know, and then it's like, well, nobody wants to be around me because now it's seven, eight o'clock and I'm still grinding, but nobody, it's not fun for anybody. And like this, this adventure should be fun, right? I mean, it should be fun. It shouldn't just be, everything will be fine when we get in the car on Saturday. You know, it's like, how do we also be present and enjoy today? So cool, man. Dig it. All right. Um, rip through a couple questions just to get to know you and your view of fatherhood. And then we, I want to dig into, to, um, dig into you and your dad's relationship. So when you think about fatherhood, what has been some of the best resources to you? Um, I think the best resources to me have been, um, sometimes books, definitely. I'm, I'm definitely a book guy, but the biggest, uh, uh, resource has been kind of the flesh and blood uh, father examples that I've had. Mm-hmm. And, um, a lot of those are, you know, we're outside of the house, um, outside of my, you know, biological family. Mm-hmm. It was, uh, guys that, um, you know, a lot of times at church would mentor me directly or indirectly. They would show me what it was to, to be a dad that really cares. That's really invested. That's imperfect. Um, 
you know, that, that runs out of steam sometimes and, um, but continues to go and to continues to, to lead and, and guide their families and, and how, like, um, you know, they, I would get context. I would get, okay, this, this day such and such happened and this is how I dealt with it. And just kind of like, you know, sitting there and, and sort of taking notes, mental notes on how, um, how they did that. But really, um, the biggest impact of all of that was that they were, they, they took me under their wing and they were able to, um, fill in some holes, um, in terms of fatherhood that I, I didn't get growing up. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's such a strong answer. And a lot of dudes have that is the mentorship. Right. And I think that, um, you know, being in a faith community makes it easier, right. To be, to, to have that. Um, but I think it's critical for men that we ask and look for those. Um, Mm -hmm. have you found that you've been able to be that to somebody else now that you're, you know, kind of ahead of the baby stage, for example, um, Mm -hmm. have you noticed younger men watching what you're doing and picking up some, some tips and stuff? from you? Yeah, definitely. And, um, you know, I was, uh, I, I played kind of a, a big role at our last church, um, mm. until the end of last year when it, when it stopped being a church, unfortunately, but, um, I was able to, to take some guys under my wing really intentionally. And then there were other, there were other levels of that too, with other guys that I didn't sit down over coffee with, but they saw, uh, and heard what I was doing with my own family. Yeah. Um, the steps that I would take to be intentional each day, what, what we would do, you know, the rhythms of, of going to bed and how that looked not every day, but not perfectly, but, but they knew this is generally what the Ramazinas do. And, and if they came over at seven 30, seven 45 at night, they would see us doing those things. Um, you know, sometimes it would look more successful than others, but that, that wasn't the point. The point was having those rhythms and, um, and, and, and leaning in on, Hey, what, what does it look like for us to really, what does it look like for me to, to love my kids? Well, to love my wife? Well, um, after I come home and then just before bed and, and things mm. of that nature. Yes. I love that. You pointed out twice that things aren't always perfectly. We have the rhythms and the habits in place, but they're not always going to be exactly, you know, and I think that's the real honest truth, right? Is if you're going to let somebody peer into your life, if you're doing it, uh, to look good or in a fake manner, then then you're setting people up for failure. But to let them see life is messy, being a dad and a husband, having kids, it's messy. But yeah. if you put in the rhythms and the habits, day after day after day, the consistency of that will create stability, right? Yeah. And and that's that's real. So cool, man. Okay, love that. When you think of the role of the father, you know, in in thirty to sixty seconds, what would you define the role of the father as? I think, uh, the role of a father is, is, uh, the first one to serve, um, the first one to lead and to, to guide in, in the, the family, um, that the buck, the buck really stops with, with dad. And that's not like a patriarchal, patriarchal mm. thing, um, that could come across that way, but it's, um, yeah. I'm, I'm really in charge of, of leading and setting the culture of my family, whether we're at home or whether we're in a different setting. And um, I'm not, and I love how this has come out on, on other episodes, you know, um, but I love that um, 
you know, sometimes I'm tempted to think, you know, how, how am I being perceived by other people if we're out, mm-hmm. uh, let's say at Old Town Pizza and, yeah. and my kids are starting to go a little crazy because they just have a lot of energy. They had a lot of good pizza. Um, sometimes I'm tempted to go that way, but um, mostly it's, um, I'm, I'm, my, my heart is that I want to create people that are ready to face today's challenges and also tomorrow's as they go through life. And, um, if I feel a little bit embarrassed at some point in life, oh, well, you know, like I embarrass myself more, right, much right. more than I think my kids do, but because my kids <laughs> embarrass me, it's like, oh no, you just embarrassed me. Yeah. You know, I notice it sometimes more and, and my, my feathers get ruffled, but, um, I think, um, serving them and guiding them, um, uh, I like the word shepherding because, you know, sometimes like the, the analogy there, the metaphor I should say, is that, you know, when a sheep like gets sideways, like turn on its side, it cannot actually get up and then it'll, it'll actually die, you know? Mm. So uh, sometimes our kids go sideways, you know, just like we do. And so we're like, okay, lovingly, let me pick you up, you know, however that looks like in this, this situation right now with, along with my wife, how do we pick you up and, and guide you to where you need to be right now in this moment? Um, so I love that, man. Yeah. When you think about, you know, we, we use the word culture. So I'm creating a culture in my home. Mm-hmm. Just take a minute and describe that to me. Like, what yeah. do you want that culture to be? Yeah. Um, so when, whenever I come home, um, I always go and, and give my, my wife a hug and a kiss and uh, I give the kids a hug and a kiss, usually not in that order. Although sometimes the kids are, are, are first, they're, they're just right there by the door. So I go for them first, but, um, that's, that's kind of the, the first thing that, um, sort of is, is sort of ingrained in our culture is we welcome each other. We, we physically like welcome each other when we haven't been hanging out with each other. And, and that doesn't have to be just when I get home, it's, you know, if, if I cross paths with my daughter in the hallway, I'll just usually, I'll just give her a hug or I'll, I'll give, give my son a hug. And, um, so that's, that's something that we've done. Um, also around the dinner table, we, um, I'm, we're usually intentional and it, it sometimes we don't even get to ask the question because our kids are just like, okay, I, I got the first question, but we'll ask each other sometimes silly questions, but also, um, a lot of times we'll ask each other, what was your high? what was your high today? What was your mm-hmm. low today? And, um, or what's something that made you happy? What's something that made you sad? Um, mm, I like a lot that of, one. Yeah. Lately we've been talking a lot about uh, the move and I, and I try not to say like, Oh, I, I have been actually, but I try not to just make it like, Oh, three more days. Oh, two more days. But, um, last night I asked our youngest, you know, how are you, how are you feeling with, you know, leaving friends? Because I know that's really hard. And, uh, she said, you know, I'm a, I'm a little bit sad. And so I was able to guide her through that and like, it's okay. It's totally fine and, and good to feel sad because, um, these, these relationships mean something. And yeah. so let's, let's support each other. Let's, you know, let's, um, let's walk through that together. You don't have to do that by yourself. And that would, that would actually be detrimental to you and your soul to walk through, through that alone. Man, beautiful. And so simple. And I think sometimes we, we might lean too much into uh, the cult, you know, we're the sports family or we're the, we're the, this, that, or whatever, which great. Those are really good things. I think if the conversation, the, the care for each other, the, the physical positive touch words, emotions. um, And so I, I, I really like because, 
any dad can take a minute and hug their kid. Any dad can, can say, Hey, we're going to sit down at the dinner table and do this slow, right? Usually we're rushing. So can we make one meal a day slow and enjoyable and about conversation, not just about putting more gas in the tank? Um, Yeah. And as we pause, we go, I mean, if you were to sit for half an hour and eat dinner as a family and actually talk, the fuel that you're putting emotionally into each of you is probably more significant than that food you're eating. Um, Mm -hmm. I love those very practical, very practical. Um, Okay. This is a new question that I've been asking. Um, what have you learned about yourself as a dad? So, you know, you got three kids, you see yourself in each of them. I think sometimes it's very easy to say, okay, well, here's where my wife and I have great connection and then also great conflict and, and a marriage, you know, it's like you're two people rubbing together and you can see the things that you want to uh, grow or change about yourself. But as you think about being a father, what have been some things that you've come across that as you self-reflect, you're like, I either like this about myself or I, I don't and I want to grow. And I've been confronted with this because I have children. Yeah. I think um, the, one of the first things that comes to my mind is that, um, and I mentioned it a little bit earlier, is that sometimes I'll, I'll get a little bit upset about um, maybe the noise volume. I am an introvert and I do like, I like, and when that, when the, the noise level gets really crazy high, um, it, if I'm not careful, I'll sort of snap mm. and, um, and then get, get mad at my kids and, and, um, not like yell at them. Um, but just like kind of, kind of blow up mini blow up. And, um, I hate that <laughs> about myself that I'll, I'll sometimes just like, okay, I got to play this cool. got to play this cool, but really realizing that I have to, I have to deal with it. Otherwise it's going to spew on my kids. Mm. And so, um, I think my, my dad was really good at, at just really calm, really mellow, um, hardly ever saw him blow up. Um, and I'm not sure exactly how he, how he did that, to be honest, but, um, I, it doesn't take me too long for the, our, our three, um, kids to sort of ruffle my feathers. And so I'm, I'm learning, okay, I've got to, got to release some steam. I've got to, I've got to not, you know, just, I've got to realize what's under the surface. Why it's not just that my son is, is making a bunch of noises all the time. It's, and that's like, that's great. Like he's humming, you know, he's whistling, he's happy. Why, why is that bugging me so much? So realizing, or, and sometimes just say, Hey buddy, you know, could we um, just bring it down for a little bit? I'm getting better at that, but I I've realized that um, I didn't, I never, never considered myself an angry person, but when, when, since I've been a father, that's, I, I don't know. I think that's kind of like my, my kryptonite is, mm. is noise and chaos. And, and if I'm not careful, if I'm not, um, dealing with it, uh, proactively, it'll, it'll get the best of me. Yeah, man, that's such a great place to be self-aware. Um, yeah. and I'm sure so many fathers are nodding their heads, resonating with like, <laughs> Yes. Yeah. So true. And it yeah. sucks. Like when those moments happen for me, I get more mad at myself. Cause it's like, dude, your daughter's whistling. She's eight. Yeah. She's yeah. enjoying her life and you aren't right. enjoying <laughs> your own life. Right. Um, so then it's like, you just get more mad though. I just get more mad. It's yeah. not like that helps me. Um, right. but I remember this one, this one guy I was listening to, he had a, a parenting like six hour 
parenting thing. Uh, he was, he was a pastor, not anymore, but his name's Rob Bell. You're probably familiar with him, but I was listening to this parenting thing he talked about and he was saying, cause I'll get annoyed at my kids asking questions like my son. Oh my gosh. He could ask you a million questions. And so he was <laughs> saying, you know, when your kids are under 10, they're going to ask you thousands of questions to the point where you're like, stop asking me questions. So the first half, you know, their life yeah. living in your home, you just want them to stop asking questions. And then yeah. from 11 to 18, the second half of them living in your home, you're just begging that they would ask you a question, <laughs> right? So right. I'm like, in my mind, I, I'm going, okay, cultivate a culture of questions are okay. Questions are okay. Don't get frustrated. But, yeah. you know, I think it's that self-aware piece to be, to be self-aware and, and you're going to mess up some days and, and then try better the next, you know? Definitely. That's been the case with our our first daughter, um, she, I, and I think she, she's got an extra good case of questions right now, uh, more than like your typical eight-year-old. So it's been, I've had to really think, okay, am I going to really get mad at her after the third or fourth question? Or am I going to be like, you know, praise God that she's asking me questions. She knows that I'm a safe place. Mm. And um, she may, she might be starting to think, oh, dad doesn't always have the right answer, but um, I still want to start with him. Or I, you know, I, like. Yeah, I still want to ask because this is a safe place. And so that's huge. So if your mind shift then is my yeah. daughter trusts me. So when my yeah. daughter comes to me, one, she thinks I'm a listener. Maybe I don't yeah. have the answers, but she thinks I'm a listener and she trusts me. So that's the piece. If I could remember that when my son asks yeah. me questions, it's because he trusts that I am a good resource and I want to yeah. cultivate that. So he's not going to Google or something. Exactly. Um, Yep. Okay, dude, I love it. Um, well, the podcast is Fatherhood Field Notes, which we've been doing, just digging into your life, you know, new job, new state, big changes. So thanks yeah. for opening up there. And the mantra behind it, as you know, is rebel and create. Yeah. And what is something that you are rebelling against? And then what do you hope to create out of that? Yeah, for me, uh, two really key things are rejecting apathy and, 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 um, and embracing intentionality. And then, um, and then also re rejecting the, the common notion that, uh, friendship with other guys, uh, whether they're dads or not is, mm. is, uh, you know, really not even that important. Um, I've, I've always been blessed with really amazing friends, especially, um, you know, especially, high school, college for sure. And on, um, and, uh, friendships have really, really allowed me to, to not just be the same person I was yesterday. And it's allowed me to press on into some, some things in my life where I wouldn't have been able to, to do it by myself. And go ahead. Uh, has making friends as an adult been difficult? Um, I don't think so. Um, it's only sometimes difficult when you're, you know, um, you have to get home by a certain time, um, you know, but because your own had, schedule or because your family's expectation, um, because of, of uh, me wanting to really be involved in helping put the kids down and not and just having my wife do that. Right. Um, but at the same time, my wife and I have been really good at um, being able to allow each other the opportunity to to head out sometimes it's before bedtime sometimes it's after bedtime um you know in the last couple of weeks especially 
um, she's allowed me to to uh, head up and meet up with with some friends um, up the, the hill and mm. on Thursday nights and really enjoy that that time with friends that I'm not going to be able to, to have. I'm um, yeah. sure I'll be able to FaceTime at some point later, but I'm not going to be in the same same geographic um, um, presence as they are. And so um, I think and this is something that um, that my dad did did several things well. And I, I thank him for for that. Uh, one of the things that he I think um, was a weakness for him was was friendships. I didn't mm. I didn't see him walking the road of friendship with other guys. And I know I know that he knew other people. He was he had um, you know he he actually um, uh, you know had really good relationships with coworkers and everything like that. But in terms of like really close friends that are walking the road of life with you and are commit, have the same kind of commitments and, and beliefs and values that are going to say, it call you out on your crap sometimes uh, in yeah. love, in, in love and in, in truth and grace, but they're going to be walking the road with you. Um, that's something that I said to myself early on. I want to continue. I, I don't want to, I don't want to, do that. I want to continue on with these friendships. Why was that, that important to you? Um, well, I, for probably a lot of reasons, but one was, um, I felt that he was kind of a lonely guy in some ways. Hmm. Um, I don't think at work, if you were his coworker, you wouldn't maybe think that because he was so relational. And so in a way he was um, very just warm and inviting. And, um, but I knew that, uh, you know, especially when things got rough for, for my mom and for he and their marriage, uh, at one point he, he, he was, he was really ticked and he said, Brandon, don't ever get married. And I'm like, Oh man. Like I, I, it, I knew it wasn't true, but at the same time, I was like, it hurt to real to hear, have to hear him get to that point where he was like, I wish I hadn't gotten married, you know? Yeah. And uh, if he had had friends, um, to really help him, uh, avoid some of the some of the trappings of what, what ended up happening and even they stayed together. Um, but, um, I think that, uh, it could have been so, so much more of a healthy relationship. And, and on top of that, he would have been much more of a healthy human being had he had those deep friendships with other guys. Yeah. What a great acknowledgement. Yeah. Um, and I like that you use the word apathy around that because I do think a lot of mm -hmm. us men, there's so much that we're carrying that it seems as though a friendship is, is just an extra, you know, mm -hmm. it seems like a, like just another thing you have to do and it's not important. But when yeah. you talk about it in that way of just how lonely you can feel um, yeah. and to be able to talk to somebody who has some of the same struggles and thoughts and, and doing the podcast and listening in, you know, it is great. It can help you not feel alone, but to be able to have those, you know, like you and I are growing and, and nodding and, and we're in this conversation, like we're both participating. Mm -hmm. um, there's another level of growth and connectivity than I think just listening in. And so much of what we do these days is listen in or just read a book or listen to a podcast. And yeah. I think that we need those relationships. Um, to be connected. And I think that that's, yeah. that's a really key that you saw. So I love that, you know, rebelling and, and, and what you're creating is those deep relationships, you know, for you and others to grow collectively. Um, yeah. So let's talk about your dad a bit more. Yeah. So yeah. this is all very recent. Um, you know, yeah. you could hear it in your voice. It was my dad was, 
Mm-hmm. Right. So, so yeah. talk to us. Ooh. Yeah. So, um, December 17th, my dad got sick and, um, but he wasn't admitted to the hospital until December 26th after a uh, second COVID test confirmed that what we all knew that he had it, he had all the symptoms. And so from December 26th until about, uh, January 5th or 6th, uh, 5th or or 6th, uh, he, um, was just kind of hanging in there and we would, we would get texts from him. And at one point at the end of that period, he was like, uh, God's healing me. I'm, I'm getting better. He took a selfie, which he doesn't usually do. He took a selfie. He's 65. So, um, Mm. he, he looks kind of crisp. I mean, he didn't look really good. He had his, his, uh, robe on and everything like that. Right. Right. Being at a hospital, but he, he, he had that kind of light in his eyes. And, and so we thought, okay, uh, he's, he's going to get through this and, um, he's a pretty tough guy. Um, but, uh, January 11th came by and, uh, we got a call from the hospital. I was actually at my parents' house at the time. Cause he was starting to not do so well. They, uh, called and said, we're going to have to intubate him. And he was, he had just been on, uh, oxygen before, but they had to actually, um, uh, put him on the ventilator uh, for the first time. Mm. And so, uh, over about 10 days, they realized that, uh, his, he was not gay, getting any better. He wasn't improving mm. and his lungs are not his lungs. His organs were starting to shut down. And so, um, it was, uh, January 22nd, we were actually able to go to the hospital. Um, my wife and I, and my mom and my sister and her husband, we were all able to be in the room uh, and be with him and, and pray and, and sing and uh, just tell him, you know, we didn't know if he could hear us, but we, we assumed that he, he maybe could. So we, we talked with him and, um, and then they, they pulled the ventilator out and we were with him as he passed. Wow. So um, yeah, that was the hardest thing I've ever had to go through. And yeah. yet there was some really uh, amazing sweet times too, that, that I've, you know, didn't think were possible. Uh, so that grief mingled with joy for me. Um, but uh, it's been, it's been a, a journey of, of grieving and I've, I was able to join a, a grief uh, group mm. at our church, which was really helpful. It's called grief share. I highly recommend it to anyone who um, needs a place to just um, kind of process and, and grieve with other people who are walking the same road. And, um, and so that was really helpful um, talking with my mom, my mom and I, our relationship was not that good, uh, even until the end of last year. And, um, our relationship though now is, is really healthy. It's, uh, it continues to to grow. And I really, if you would have, if you would have asked me, you know, do you think you'll ever have a good relationship with your mom last year? I said, probably not. Wow. I, I don't, I don't think so. And that's not because I, not because I don't want it, but because of other factors. And so, um, yeah, it's been, it's been good and, and battle mixed together. And it's all part of the journey and to help, help my kids walk that journey too. Like, here's what I'm feeling. Here's, and, and, um, here, you know, how are you doing with the loss of your granddad, you know, and, and asking those questions. And I'm not the only person here that's, that's lost somebody, mm. you know, all three of the kids have, and, and to a degree, my wife too. And obviously my mom hit the hardest, um, and my sister as well. So. Wow, man. Thank you for sharing. That's, um, yeah, 
You know, it's interesting. It's this new, you know, stage uh, that you come into as you get older and you just don't expect it to happen. Um, you know, I'm 37. We're similar. My dad's 65. Um, so a few questions that are coming to mind. What do you think it means to grieve? So, you know, we hear, we hear it, uh, but, but, but now that you're in it and I don't want to say the the tail end of it kind of thing, but you know, you're talking to me and we're sharing this on a podcast. Um, I did get to read, you shared with me, you know, Mm -hmm. what you said at your, your father's memorial, you know, um, which was really special for you to share with me. Yeah. Maybe just talk to me a little bit about that because I think that'd be helpful for, for me and others who it's like, what does it mean to grieve? Because we all, that's coming. Seasons of grief will come in our lives. You know, there is going to be loss. So if we know that that's good, because I think our culture doesn't really like to acknowledge death, for example, we don't like to acknowledge it. We don't really know how to act about it. So um, what's coming to your mind as I kind of say some of those things? Yeah, I think um, I could say a lot of different things, but I think it's, um, it's a reckoning and a realization is that this is just coming to my mind, but the, the reckoning is, you know, my, one of my first thoughts when my dad passed was I'm next. And that, uh, that might sound, that might sound fatalistic and like, well, you're really, you're, you're in a dark place there. But what I'm, what I thought when I thought that was um, my, my time is, is limited. And, and in generation, generationally, I am, I am probably going to be the next one to um to pass on and so it it brought more uh, more of a um sort of a a somber like man i i want to i want to make my life count even more wow Um, yeah Mm -hmm. and then uh just realizing too that um that grief is never something that you you stop doing it's um it's not something that you get closure on um my dad is always going to be gone until I pass on. And I believe with all my heart, we're going to be reunited and we're going to see yeah. each other. It's going to be amazing. Yeah. It's beautiful. Um, but I'm, I'm never going to be like, Oh yeah, I got closure on that. I'm good now. I'm, you know, I'll just wait 30, 40 years. It's no big deal. Like that would be really callous and, mm. and um, just weird if I just thought, Oh yeah, that that's done. Um, but at the same time, it was neat to, I say neat, it's a dumb word to throw out there, but it was amazing to think through um, how happy I was that he wasn't suffering anymore and how uh, happy for him, happy for my mom, happy for, for me and my sister that we didn't have to be like, and this, this is the weird thing with COVID, right? You, you, we couldn't be with him through it. We could only right. text and, and really couldn't talk to him because of the air and everything like that, the, all the oxygen stuff. Um, we, that was able to, to be done. And so there was a relief, but, um, in terms of just being done with it, that, that never happens. And, and so I think just realizing where you're at on any given day, sometimes it hits you right away. Like, Oh man, I, like I was, I was packing our, our pod yesterday and I just kind of, I had a wave of grief that hit me for a second. Um, and I, I think not pushing past that, but, but, um, really being honest and realizing where you're at on any given day. Um, and then just, I think telling, telling my story has been really helpful to, to other people. And, and um, I think 
being able to, to, to talk about how that was and processing through that has been really good. Um, again, in the grief share group, but also just with friends, uh, with my mom, um, you know, we would, there was a time, uh, just after my dad passed where I was, I was getting everything out of the attic and I was, uh, I said, uh, my mom asked me, what do you think, what do you think daddy's doing? I said, well, he's not doing this. And just sort of, <laughs> we had a moment just to kind of laugh and, you know, there was just so much stuff up in the attic and he's like, ha ha, you know, <laughs> don't have to do that. But, um, um, so I guess I like, that. Really, yeah, I, I hope that's, that was helpful. You know, just realizing where you're at, um, dealing with the loss. It, it's, it's a very, it was not meant to be this way where people, um, people who are meant to be immortal and live forever um, pass away and are gone for decades or um, however long it is. I, it's, it's totally unnatural. And so it's okay to feel like it's unnatural because it is um, some, some, and I'll end with this, some uh, grief, uh, you know, books might say, well, it's a natural thing. It's well, it's only natural because it, it happens, but it was not meant to happen. And so it's okay to be kind of caught in those between those two realities. And sometimes it sucks. And sometimes it's like, man, I'm so, so glad my dad isn't having to go through this, but I'm still, still sad too. So, yeah. 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 I think it's important that in a world that is a bit anti any foundational truth Mm. to to decide what are the anchors, what is the foundation that you do believe. Otherwise, these moments that are significant, it's very hard to process them if you don't have some sort of foundation that your life is built on for these moments of why am I here? Why is the world such a mess? Where do I go when I die? Why is it, you know, et cetera. You know, and for you and I, we've chosen the, the Christian faith. And when you say we weren't meant to, we were meant to live forever, right? That's your and I's answer to when something dies inside of us, something saying there's something wrong with this. Yeah. And, and, and then you go, this isn't how it's always meant to be. This wasn't. So, so my point is as a man, like as a guy in your home, I'm not saying be a militant patriarch, this is the way everything is, but to have some sort of foundational clarity is critical for the stability of your home. Yeah. Um, the thing that I really like that I'm hearing from you is when I hear you say what has been helpful is me to share my story of this moment in life happening. It's not coming from a victim. I want to share this so you feel bad for me, right? It's not an attention thing, which I think a lot of us can do. Uh, like, oh yeah, I lost my job today. You know, like let's no. everybody gather around and be there. It's you acknowledging that a story, telling a story, real life, where you are, is not you just mulling it over. As you say it out loud, it's like releasing all this feeling and emotion and energy. And you're mm -hmm. able to share that. I think that's really critical. And then the yeah. other thing you said is there's going to be moments where like all of a sudden I want to cry or yeah. be, or laugh, right? You shared too. One, you felt like the emotion. <laughs> and then another one, you're like, my, you know, dad, you didn't freaking empty out the attic. And so you're able to use it. And I think yeah. um, as dudes, we can become apathetic to our own feelings and then bury them. And then we just live very sad existences. 
Yeah. Um, because maybe we've never been given the freedom to say, dude, it's, it's all right to cry. It's all right to feel you should. Yeah. So I think that those things that you said are, are really, really important. As I kind of go through some of those, those points, was there anything else in your mind that popped in that you felt was, was important to want to share? I, I think just reaffirming that um, it's so vital. Like you said earlier, um, that we don't oftentimes talk about death. And um, a lot of times I would only hear, I would only know about other people, other, other guys' experiences with death because I, of my dad's own death. And they, they would talk, talk to, to me about their stories, which is, which was helpful. Um, but uh, I, I, now that is, that is part of me. That loss is a part of me. And so I don't want to, I kind of don't want to just wait to tell other guys, like whether they're dads or not, I don't want to wait to tell them about my story until they have a, a significant loss like that, because I think it's so important that we know how we're going to, to go through that, even though we can't really prepare for how it's going to feel. Um, I want for, and, and for my own kids, I want them to be able to know how to process that you you're going to have to process it. Right. It's just how, how are you going to process it? Like, are you going to numb the pain with, with drugs or whatever, mm. um, or blowing up, or are you going to actually healthily deal with this unnatural loss in your life? And so I just, I want, I want to be able to, to be used to be a guide through that, whether it's my own kids, whether it's, uh, other, other people. And obviously it doesn't have to be just guys. I'm just throwing that out here. Cause that's, you know, uh, that's my, my main heart. You know, my wife is amazing with, with her, her friends. And, um, I try to be, try to you be, you don't have to apologize. Them. There's enough <laughs> crap out there for women. This is just, yeah. for us. <laughs> okay. I think of that. Sorry, not sorry. Good. Take it back. Yeah. Um, yeah. So such a critical piece is like, okay, you can't, you can't have a, a, a exact roadmap of you can't have an exact roadmap, but you can be prepared. And maybe maybe the main thing of being prepared is to know it's going to come and then to have some rules for yourself, you know? Mm-hmm. So um, I think that's like, I have a rule for myself just in general. I never drink if I'm mad. So like I drink alcohol, but I never do it if I'm mad. If it's like, man, today was a really rough day. I just need, that's not an answer yeah. for me. So like I put rules in my life to go, that isn't going to be a solution for that. And so I could say, Oh, mm-hmm. well, well, you know, I'm feeling really bad. I, my, my, my father passed away. So I'm just tonight going to just get totally whammied. Um, right. so I think right. maybe in that sense of, okay, you're going to be prepared. You're going to acknowledge this will happen one day. So I, I want to know maybe what are some rules. So any other thoughts around that? Because I, I think, to have a roadmap of like, this is how I'm going to process grief. That's a little naive because you might set yourself up for failure, but to at least acknowledge it's going to happen. Maybe some things I want to, I want to acknowledge. Maybe just the thing is I'm going to go through it. I'm going to go through it instead of avoiding it. Maybe yeah. that's an acknowledgement. Yeah. I, I think, um, I think my, end goal is to go through it well. And I know that I'm going to be able to get through it. Um, and as, as hard as, as anything gets, I'm going to, I'm going to be given the grace to get through something. Mm, Um, and it's not pie in the sky. Like I'm, Oh, you know, I'm just like this karmic kind of thing. I mean, um, it's, God's going to give me 
the grace that I need to get yeah. through. Yeah. Whether it's whether it's martyrdom, whether it's my, my mom dying today on the way to the bank, um, you know, within a couple months of my my dad passing, like if that were to happen, I'm going to be able to get through it, and I'm I am going to be relying on God's strength, but not yes. just His strength that goes through other people. And um, if if I'm communicating where my heart is, um, I'm going to have the I'm going to have the um, support structure around me, um, friends, um, uh, family, uh, friends that are family. I'm going to have all that I need to get through it. And so um, I, I did think about that though, honestly, when, when I, you know, I, I do enjoy beer every once in a while um, during COVID probably more than before COVID. But um, (laughs) I thought about that too. I thought I'm not going to, I'm not going to, I'm going to be really careful how, how I consume because I could see, see this being a point where I just kind of like slowly start leaning into that versus the, the true, you know, reality of, of what I have, the real resources I have and beer is not a a good resource. It tastes good. And it's fun to, you know, go out and enjoy time with, with guys. uh, Yeah. It should enhance, it should enhance what's happening, not cover up something. Yeah, yeah, agreed. I think one of the pieces that you said that I just we could end on that, and then I want to ask you some more questions about your dad before we finish this is um is you said it's a part of me now. And I think that might yeah. be just such a huge acknowledgement to go, this is my story, this is a part of me, not from a victim state, but this happened, and mm-hmm. I'm here and and I'm alive, and mm-hmm. I'm gonna use that piece to continue to be because as men, like we want to be there for others, right? We want to protect, serve, provide, we want to be there. And so now you have this whole other layer of life experience that allows you to show up for yourself, for your kids, your spouse, and for other dudes that come across your path. So I really like that. Yeah. So what was your dad's name? John. John. John Ramazina. John Ramazina, such a good yep. last name. And then yep. were you the oldest? So you, you said you have a sister. Were you the mm-hmm. oldest? Okay. Yeah, I'm the oldest. And then my sister's two and a half years younger than, than me. Okay. And then yeah. what are a couple high connection points as we, as we wrap this up? What are a couple memories you and your dad, um, as I'm sure these are things that you've been thinking about? Uh, mm-hmm. I know you shared some about him, you know, warm guy, you know, hard worker for the family, very relational. Uh, but yeah. what are maybe a couple memories or a memory that you have of you and him? Uh, one that I was reminded of just yesterday as, as we were going through stuff that needs to get taken to another state <laughs> was I came across a, a framed letter that he wrote to me just before I moved to Illinois about 16 years ago, moved out there and was there for th- the first three, three years of our marriage. But he wrote me a really amazing letter that, um, basically said, you know, you're, you're moving, moving on to a new chapter and you, you've become a man and I'm proud of you. And, um, you know, um, it was just an amazing thing. And, and it, it wasn't in terms of ceremony, it wasn't like, uh, he, I don't, <laughs> he didn't really think through it. We had like this conversation in the backyard and he's like, Hey, I want to talk to you. So we went out of the backyard and then he, he gave it to me and, uh, it was sort of like a <laughs> conspicuous sort of thing. Um, but he took, he did take the time to do that and, and sort of kind of commissioned me as a dude, as a, as a, as a husband and, you know, future dad. And it, and reading over that yesterday, it, mm. um, it, 
it meant a lot more than it did back in 2005. Although it did mean something back then, it, it just means something so much more to me now because he's not writing any more letters right now, at least right. that, that I can get. And so, um, but you know, another memory is we would do things um, like uh, go out and and chop wood for um, to bring home for our fireplace. And he had you know connections growing up in the country. He would go out and um, and cut almond wood that was that was for free. You know, we would cut it up, load it into the truck, listen to country music. Um, a lot of those country artists I still love today. Um, and so. Yeah, those those are a couple of uh, memories. And having my dad also, um, just a few months after he gave me that letter, he also read um, he read First uh, Corinthians thirteen, the the love chapter, mm-hmm. uh, at our wedding, you know, in in Rockford, Illinois, and that was really special for him to read that. And uh, that was that was like his part in the wedding. Um, and besides looking dapper and looking nice, you know. <laughs> So, man, I love that. And, and it's so powerful. You know, it's like the, the role that you and I play as fathers, you know, as we talk about, it, as I hear you talk about it as a son, you hear the importance, mm-hmm. you know, as, as his role in your life, even as you were a man, you were an adult in that moment. He gives you a letter, even if it was like this awkward, I don't know how to do this mm-hmm. kind of thing. It didn't matter because it was the it was the 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 motive the gesture the he's the only man on the planet that could have made you yeah. feel that way, like mm-hmm. you know the only one and so to for you and I and everybody listening to go, we have that same opportunity, and even if we don't do it a hundred percent perfect right like yeah. I saw on Instagram you know how Brandon did this rite of passage for his son and they flew to Alaska and they <laughs> they killed a wild whatever. That's fantastic. Like lean into it. That's great. But you could also write a letter and Mm -hmm. hand it to your son. And it's still, if it's you doing it, the other stuff doesn't matter. It's you. So I, I, man, I'm just feel so full of just amazement around the opportunity that you and I have like being a father. And again, no, nothing against the moms out there. But yeah. being a father is critical. It is critical, <laughs> this opportunity we have. And so thank you for sharing about your dad and his role in your life and just this huge transition of him no longer being in this new chapter for you. Yeah. And then I think just to point out that critical piece of you saying, hey, I'm at the top of the pyramid now. Dad's mm-hmm. gone. I'm the older brother. This also means something as far as a yeah. rite of passage for me to go. I'm next in line and everybody's in. I'm responsible for this. Yeah. And, and I think that that's, uh, that's amazing. And I can hear, you know, in your humility, you, you've got what it takes. You know, mm-hmm. you're the guy for the job. So, Brandon, uh, dude, thank you for sharing your life. Thank you for being an incredible father and husband and intentional and working on yourself. Um, Just keep doing what you're doing and enjoy the next chapter, the next adventure. I'm excited for you and your family too. Thanks for being on the podcast. Thank you for having me, Ned. Thank you for doing this too. I, I just appreciate your labor and love so much. And I will continue listening to all the episodes as long as you keep pumping them out. So, all right, man. Thank Thank you. All right. Until next time.
What an incredible conversation. So amazing for Brandon to be willing to share his life in that way. A lot going on with new job, new move, and then this season of grief and what that means to experience loss and how to celebrate life, but also miss your dad, something many of us will experience one day. So what a blessing for you and I to be able to hear another man share that so that it can help shape you and I in how we are going to approach that day. Thank you to all you dads out there listening to Rebellion Creates Fatherhood Field Notes podcast, What You Do Matters. Don't be like everybody else, be yourself. That is who your kids, spouse, and community needs. This is your guide, Ned Shout. Together, let's rebel against the view that fatherhood has little impact and create lives engaged in mastering the craft of fatherhood. Talk to you next time. Thank you.